discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Last week, I started sharing with you on being available, isn't it? Hallelujah. We started talking about what the Glorious Church was, if you remember. And we developed an acronym to represent the Glorious Church. How many of you remember? Beautiful. The T is what? The Available Church. The Available Church. The Glorious Church is a church that is available. Hallelujah. The Available Church. And then the H is what? Honoring the Prophet Oriented Church. The Glorious Church is an honoring the prophet oriented church. And the E is what? Evangelism and Mission Conscious Church. The Glorious Church is a church that is into evangelism. Evangelism and Mission Conscious Church. Yes. The, the, the body of Christ has, an, has a mission. And that mission must be fulfilled to the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then the G is what? That's for the, so we just, we just gave you the acronym for, the, for T-H-E, there, isn't it? And then now we are on the glorious. The first letter in the glorious is G, isn't it? And the G is what? God-oriented church. God-oriented church. That has to do with love for God. A church that is interested in Jesus Christ. Not interested in other things, but a church that is interested in Jesus Christ. Because we have a calling to, to the fellowship of the Son. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom you have been called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Have you seen it? God is what? Faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've been called unto the fellowship of Jesus Christ. We've been called to know Jesus Christ. And we've been called to, into the fellowship that Jesus has with the Father. Do you see? The Father is um, getting to know God. Knowing God is the aim of life. <laughs> It's not buying big, big dresses hmm? or having a very um, nice, what do you call it, uh, a nice house. That's not the reason why you are here. Okay, the reason why you are around is not to, to marry and have five children. Wow. Marriage is important. Children are important, but that's not the main reason why you are around. How many of you are interested in marriage? You must marry. I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to bless your ma your marriage. Oh yes, yes. Oh yes. <laughs> I can't wait to bless your marriage. Tell neighbor, your pa the pastor can't wait to bless your marriage. And ask your neighbor, when are you marrying? Hey. Ask your neighbor, do you have a beloved? What did your neighbor say? How many of us here are married? If you are married, lift your hand. You see, very few of us are married. Yes, so it's a church 
that is expecting many weddings. I think this year we've, we've blessed, I've blessed about maybe 10 weddings so far. And there are about maybe 15 more to come before the year ends. Yeah. A lot of people like marry in December, so. But it's still not enough. Because you are not part of the 15 I'm talking about. <laughs> you are not part of the 15 I'm talking about. So you have to, you have to decide to marry. Hallelujah. You know, all those things are important, but that is not the reason why we are around. You see, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul said that, that I may know him. He was talking about knowing Jesus. Paul knew Jesus. He had gotten to, he was born again. And he was an apostle at this particular point in time in his life. But then he was saying that I want to know him more, that I might know him. And the power, who's talking about Jesus Christ. I want to know Jesus some more. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to be made conformable to, 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 unto his death. You see, he wanted to know Jesus. And that's the reason for life. The reason for life is to get to know God. We are born, there's a void in every human being that cannot be filled by money, cars, houses, women, booze, weed, cocaine, sorcery. Every, I mean, there's, there's, you can't, nothing fills it. Only God fills that particular void. How many of you agree with what I'm talking about? Yes. Is that people don't agree? How many of you agree with what I'm talking about? Well, only God can fill that void. You see, and we are, we are born again. To, we are actually born into this world to get to know God. The born again experience is what starts that journey. It's a journey. It's a long journey until you leave this earth. You are not finishing. You are not going to finish getting to know Jesus. You see, yes. If you read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Look at Colossians 1, 15 and 16. It says, Jesus, he was talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So the, the expression of God, the physical expression of God is Jesus. So if you go to heaven, you may not see God the Father sitting somewhere and God the Son sitting somewhere. Jesus is the body of God, if you like. He's the physical expression of God. He's, he's, the, he's, he's the expression of God that you can relate with physically because God is a spirit John chapter 4 verse 24 God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth that is that is a God is a spirit and a spirit is the word spirit is eh, numa. you can't know the eh. I mean you can't touch that you can't feel you can't you can't hold the air you can't really relate with the air isn't it uh-huh. so God is a spirit but he wants you to be able to relate with him so he became a man, you see. And when he became a man, he was called Jesus. You understand? Uh-huh. So Jesus is the expression of, the, of, of God, of the Godhead, actually. Go back to what we're reading. Colossians says, he's the image of the invisible God. You see, the first one of every creature. If you read in Hebrews chapter 3, no, Hebrews 1, verse 1. It's actually Hebrews 1, 3. Let me read from verse 1. It says, God who has sundry times and in diverse manners, speaking in times past by the Father's, uh, by the fathers, unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us in, by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Then he says, who being the son, his son, that is Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. You see, Jesus Christ is the express image of God's person. Are you in the church? Yes. If you get to know Jesus, you are getting to know God. So when we say a God-oriented church, we are talking about a church that is interested in getting to know Jesus Christ. The glorious church is a church that is interested in getting to know Jesus Christ. And quiet time, the reason for quiet time is to know Jesus Christ. 
The reason for coming to church is to get to know Jesus Christ. The reason why we win souls is to get to know Jesus Christ. The reason why we give our offerings is to know him some more. The reason why we give thanks is to know him some more. Because everything we do is for him. He's the center of all things. It's not because of a certain church building or anything. He's the reason for all the things that we do. And we should never lose focus of that. We should never lose focus of that. Some people um, um, think that the church, the physical building, is what they are doing things for. No, you are doing things for Jesus Christ. The fiscal, the fiscal building is an expression of what he, he wants done. Do you see? So when you do it in the house of God, you're actually doing it for him. Everything we are doing is for Jesus. It's for one person. It's called Jesus Christ. If you read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, look at Colossians 2, 9. He's talking about Jesus here. He says, for in Jesus for in him dwelleth... Okay, maybe you think it's not Jesus. Go, go up, go to verse 8. So I see that Jesus is talking about. Beware, lest any man spoil you through, the, through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the, the world, and not after Christ. Who is Christ? Jesus. The word Christ is the anointed one. And his anointing. That's what it means. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. So, next verse. So you can say it this way. For in Jesus... Does it make sense now? For in Jesus dwelleth the, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily... Have you seen it? All the fullness of the Godhead dwells in someone called Jesus. Jesus is the, is the expression of the Godhead. God the Father is, dwell, is pleased to dwell in him. God the Holy Spirit is also pleased to dwell in him. So the Holy Spirit and the Father are in Jesus and they are pleased to dwell in him bodily. So he's the body expression of the Godhead. So Christianity has to do with getting to know somebody called Jesus Christ. That's all. That is it. Christianity, in summary, is getting to know Jesus Christ. The more you get to know him through the pages of the scriptures, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more you see him. The more you see him, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you see him. The more you see him, the more you love him. You are ready to do anything for him. Yes. So never lose focus of the reason why we are around. It's Jesus. Okay? Yes. Say, Jesus is the reason. So I'm going to talk about it into details when I'm talking about the God-oriented church. This is just a small um, gist of it because that is the reason. I mean, every if you, if you remember, those of you around when I was sharing concerning the glorious church, when I was introducing the glorious church, what the glorious church was. The glorious church is a church that is prepared, it's a bride that is being prepared to meet its groom. And that groom is Jesus Christ. So, I mean, when you're getting married... You, your focus, as a lady, your focus is on your wedding day. Your focus is on your husband. No, so. If you are getting married and thinking about somebody else, that's a problem. The money is gone. You can't be, you can't be, you're marrying, you're marrying somebody and your mind is somewhere. Hey. Hey. What is that? What is that? So I shared concerning, I shared a lot. How many points was that? What the glorious church, the one I was defining the glorious church to you. Seven. Seven points. Number one was what? A, a, the glorious church is a church without spots or wrinkle. Uh-huh, they put it up. It's a church without spot or wrinkle. Number two was what? A glorious church is a church without blemish or unblameable. Next verse. Verse. Hey. Point number three, not next verse. A glorious church is a church ready to be... Huh, ready to be what? Ready to be presented to Jesus... As a chaste virgin. Yes. And I spoke, I, this one was how many hours? We used about six hours just to define what the glorious church was, to go through these seven points. Do you see? 
The next one is what? The glorious church is a perfected church or a mature church. You don't marry a, a three-year-old. I remember using a, a, a seven-year-old as an example. Yes, she's a girl, but then you can't marry seven. I mean, if you are coming to marry, you are 35 and your bride is seven. What kind of marriage is that going to be? The girl is not ready. Why? She's not matured. Or it's not true. There are no breasts. There's no hips. There's not, when you're married, were you not looking at some of these things? Yes, please. <laughs> exactly so. I mean, so a glorious church is a perfected church or a matured church. You, yes, the, the church is to be married to Jesus Christ, but it needs to be a matured, matured, mature. Someone said mature, matured. <laughs> matured church. Hallelujah. Yes. Then the glorious church, the next one, number five was what? A glorious church is a church that is ready and prepared to be married to Jesus. So you can be matured, but are you ready to be married? If you don't go through marriage counseling, you realize that you can't, you are not, you can't marry well. You marry only fight. You just be fighting in your house. When your husband says hello, you say, why are you saying hello so early in the morning? You don't know that saying hello in the morning is part of marriage. I use so many examples. I think you need to listen to those things. Okay. So Jesus, all this is, is about Jesus, to get to, to, to marry Jesus. All, all the points is about Jesus Christ. Do you see? A glorious church is, the next one, so the glorious church is, a, is, the, is the bride, the lamb's wife, the new Jerusalem, i.e. the temple of God. Then number seven is what? The glorious church is a church that is one with the Spirit. Do you see? The Spirit and the church say, Come. Spirit and the, and the bride say, come. That was the verse I used. Then number eight is what well, the glorious church is the army of heaven or the army of God. I, I mean, all these very beautiful, and all of them have to do with Jesus Christ. Okay? Yeah. So the glorious church is a church that is oriented towards Jesus. A church that sings concerning Jesus. Can't wait to meet Jesus. A church that is into saying, Maranatha, Jesus, come quickly. Not a church that is saying that Jesus don't come at all. We are not interested. We have, we have not done some one or two things. So we are, we are not ready to, to be with you. Hallelujah. So all these things, we've, we've shared so much on these things already. I may not be able to go through to recap. Okay. So let's go back to what the glorious church, the, different, the acronym for the glorious church once again. We're on the G, right? The G is what? God-oriented church. The glorious church is a God-oriented church. Then the L is what? Love-oriented church. That is a church that has love amongst one another. So look at John chapter 13, verse 34. John 13, 34. This is Jesus talking. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How did Jesus love us? Jesus loved us to the point that he died for us. So Jesus is expecting you to die for your neighbor. He's expecting you to die. He didn't say love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself ended when Jesus came. Now it is love your neighbor as I have loved you. So he says, a new commandment I'm giving to you, not the old one, that you love one another. The old one was love your neighbor, love the, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength, whatever. That is there. That is what the first one, God-oriented church. But then the, the, the next one is L, which is love-oriented church. A church that has love amongst itself, like the people in the church are interested in each other. Do you see? There's care in the church. Not a church where you can just enter and you just exit and nobody knows, you, nobody knows that you came, nobody knows that you are around, nobody cares about you. No, it's not supposed to be. You, you just, it's what? It's not a mall that you walk in and walk out. 
It's more than that. And Jesus said, the new commandment I give unto you, and that commandment is that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Go back to that place, please. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Then he says, by this, next this, by this particular thing, by this thing, we haven't loved one for another as a church. You love me, I love you. You appreciate me, I appreciate you. Love does not wish ill for its neighbor. Yes. Do you see? Yes. I'm ready to help you, you are ready to help me. Yes. You can accommodate me. I can feel free around you. Yes. I'm encouraged to grow around you. Not all clicks. There are clicks in the church. This group, beautiful, bright, incorporated association. Faithful Nigerians. Uh, uh, whatever, club. Dunamis Incorporated. No, it's not, like, it's, not supposed to be. it's not supposed to be like that. It says, for by this, when we have love one for another. Do you see? Yes. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love one to another. Yes. If you have love one to another. And love, there's a, there's a definition for love. There are different types of love. There's agape, there's stojo, there's filio, there's eros. There's so many. He's talking about agape, the God kind of love. The God kind of love. It's very important. So the, the glorious church is a, is a love-oriented church. A church that is faithful to each other and love each other and appreciate each other. Okay? And are, is ready to help each other to become what? I mean, some, some place, sometimes some people say, hey, as for church people, they should employ church people. When you, when you employ them, your business will collapse. It's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. Do you see? We, can, we should be able to employ each other and like each other and be around each other for many hours without feeling anyway. Do you get it? It's because some people may not be growing in love. Someone, someone may take advantage of you because you are the one, he's, he's in church with you and you have employed him, so it means that he can be lazy, he can come to work at 10. When you rebuke him, hey, why, I thought we were brethren. You thought we were brethren, you are spoiling the business. You are spoiling the two hours late. What I talk, if you're working for somebody else, is that what you'd have done? Uh, so, love does not mean weakness. Do you get it? Love does not mean what? Love does not mean weakness. Yeah. So you have to balance yourself. So I'm going to talk about all those things when we talk about the love-oriented church. It's a very long chapter of this particular book that we are doing. Okay. Then the O is what? Organized, swollen, Sunday, services-oriented church. We are going to talk about that. Then the R is what? Rich and healthy church. We are going to talk about that too. Then the I is what? Intimate counseling-oriented church. A church that is into intimate counseling. Like you can open up and not feel guilty. You can open up and not feel that you are going to be condemned. You can open up to your pastor or to your shepherd and not feel that you are going to be judged. You can open up and we'll get to know what is going on. So we can help you. A problem shared is a problem half-solved. Isn't it? Yes. God is in, God gives us shepherds who will help us solve problems. A shepherd is to be around when the when the when the uh, 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 what's it called fox comes uh, the wolf comes. Have you read this in your Bible before? Yes. A hireling is one that runs away when the wolf comes. That's in John chapter ten, I think verse twelve or so. Yeah. But he that is an is a, he that is an hireling and not the sheep, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming. And leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. Next verse. 
The hireling fleeth because he's an hireling and careth not for the sheep. He does not care for the sheep. Do you see? Go back to verse, verse 11. A proper, a proper uh, uh, um, shepherd, look at a proper shepherd. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. That is intimate counseling right there. The shepherd is ready to give his life for you. He's ready to do whatever he needs to do to make you comfortable and to make your problems go away. He's ready to fast for you and pray for you. Do you see? Yes. There are some places you, there are some places where you go, you can't even talk. Yes. Because when you say this to somebody, when you say that, this is happening in my life. By the time you leave the, the person, all the walls are talking in the area. Yes. So a lot of people in church do not want to open up. Yes. You have five boys who are doing a lot of things with you. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But you can't say, you are suffering, you are struggling. The one on Monday is the one who buys you your data. That is for data. He's for buying data. That, the one on Tuesday is for what? It's for dressing. It's for buying dress. The one on Wednesday is for buying shoes. The Thursday is for phone. Phone. Friday, makeup. Hey! Young girl, you are just 21. You have five boyfriends. You are a child of God. But you can't, it's like you, you, you are, there's something wrong. You are suffering, you are struggling financially. Yes, it's not, that is not the means of getting money. You end up getting HIV and just die. Or you end up having a very strange something and then before long your womb is not there. Now the pastor now has to pray. When you marry a pastor has to pray that you give birth supernaturally. Like the struggle becomes a lot. Do you understand what I'm saying or you don't understand what I'm saying? Some people don't want to look at me. It's okay, I won't say anything like I won't say anything like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am the good shepherd. So intimate counsel is very important. We are going to talk about that too into details, okay? Now go to the next one. The next one is another O, right? That's organized bus, Uber, boat, Yango, Trotro, taxi, helicopter, aeroplane, bicycle, moto, kekenapep. Oriented church. Yeah, meaning that you don't come to church alone. You come, you organize people into a bus to come to church with them. You organize an Uber. You don't only sit in the Uber and you are at the back and then you are typing. Then you take a picture. The blessings of the Lord on my way to church. Then you post it on your status. No, post it with other people. Make sure your Uber that you are coming with has people, it's full. One is in front. Maybe you are sitting in front. Then you take a picture with the Uber driver and everybody in the car. The goodness of the Lord. Organize Uber. Then you, put, you post it. Rather than just coming with your purse and your shoe. So organize. Uh, truly, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, the Glorious Church is a check that is into organized buses, Uber, Bolt, Yango, Trotro, Kekenapep private jets and you can come with a private jet full of people yes helicopter you are coming to church with a helicopter and you are coming to, 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 to. we have to all lie down for you so you can you can land and then you come with your people hallelujah yes and then you is what understanding oriented church that is a church that seeks to understand what god is saying sometimes you can finish a service when you ask people what did you learn you'll be shocked the person will say God said you should not sin. Meanwhile, the pastor didn't talk about anything with respect to sin. Have you seen some before? 
The person has to understand what is going on. Default answer is like, we shouldn't sin. But we didn't talk about sin. We spoke about love. Loving Jesus. Yet you say we shouldn't, we shouldn't sin. Never, but pastor never. You see, the person can be in the chair, but the person is asleep. Or the person is in the chair, but he has seen something. He saw, maybe he saw one lady passing by and was like, man, nice things are in the house of God. Then his mind has traveled for 20 minutes, doing a lot of things. This girl, to be nice to go out with her, to be nice to have this, to be that. You are in church, but your mind is not in church. You are here physically, but your mind is at somewhere. Your mind is at home. Your mind has gone for shopping. Your mind has, is what? It's buying banquet to Labia somewhere. You, you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are in the church. You're hearing the word of God. Then all of a sudden, your mind goes, hmm, almost 12. This afternoon, cry. what are we eating? What are we eating? It's almost 12. I hope they are closing soon. Hmm. What are we eating today? What are we eating today? Gobe. No, I ate gobe yesterday. It's too much. What are we eating today? Maybe some, some, some fufu and light soup. <laughs> a punching crack. I mean, you are in church. Oh. I've never experienced me before. Yeah. Say the truth and shame the devil. One day, one day, I organized a meeting for someone to preach. As a person was preaching, I was sleeping. So you can't sleep in church. If the pastor has slept in church before, you can also sleep in church. Who am I? Who am I? Ask your neighbor, have you slept in church before? What do your neighbor say? You have slept in church before. I realized I was writing gibberish. I was looking at the pastor's face. When I checked, I realized I was just... I was writing prophecy. I couldn't even stand up. You see, because if I go, the preacher wonder, you are the one who has the right time. Where are you going to? So I couldn't stand up. Wow. After service, I asked him, did you notice that I was sleeping? He said, no, no, I thought you were in the message. I said, I thank God. I was in the message. I was asleep. So understanding-oriented church, a church that has everyone having great understanding of God's word. Do you see? It is your understanding that brings you into fruitfulness. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Without understanding, you can't bear fruit. The sower went out to sow. He sowed this, he sowed that, he sowed. The good ground was a ground that had understanding. So understanding is very good. Go to that place. Matthew 13, 23. says, But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So we must ensure that everybody has understanding. If you don't understanding of the word of God, your fruitfulness may not come. And you start criticizing the church and saying, that I've been in church for five years. Nothing good is happening to me. Maybe you slept for, five, uh, for, for four and a half of those years. You, know, you didn't really see what was going on. Or you were always, your mind was always going on holiday when you were around. You didn't really pay attention to catch what was happening. Do you see? Yes. So understanding oriented is very important. We are going to talk about it into details, okay? Go to the next one. Um, so S is shepherding for solical salvation oriented church. Everyone, salvation, there are different kinds of salvation in the Bible. There's the salvation of the spirit, okay? It's called eternal salvation. If you read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse, um, verse 12, look at Hebrews 9, 12. It says, neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, Jesus entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So eternal redemption is for your, your spirit. When you get born again, your, the real you is a spirit. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul, uh, I pray God 
that the very God of peace sanctify you holy and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ man is a spirit he has a soul and lives in a body so the real you is a spirit and it is the real you that is saved in when you get born again when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior when you believe in Jesus you believe in the fact that Jesus died and rose again from the dead and you believe that Jesus is the Lord of your life, and you confess it, you get born again. The born again experience is for your spirit. If you were fat before you became born again, your size does not reduce. You still remain as you are. So that salvation is not for your body. If you were short before, you don't become tall. Some of us would have been born again so many times, so I'm becoming very tall. When I see the tall boys and they are looking, you see, I've prophetized them as my friend for many years. He's been always looking at me like this for a very long time, and I don't appreciate it at all. Whenever you're talking, he's looking at me like this. Have you seen a tall person before? They're always talking to you like, so what, what do you say? And I'm always doing this. I've been doing it for many years. I don't enjoy it. So I have a special request in heaven. That I want to be the tallest person in heaven. How many of you want to be very tall in heaven as well? So I can look at everybody like this. What do you say? It's one of my, my requests. If you were short, you don't become tall after being born again. If you didn't know X squared plus Y squared is equal to X, Y squared. If you didn't know it, find X. If you didn't know how to find X in such an equation, brother, when you get born again, you still can't find X. Have you noticed it? Yeah. If you didn't know H2 plus O2 goes to H2O, balance the equation. Na plus Cl2 or NACL is equal to NACL2. Or NAC, whatever. And they say, balance it. If you didn't know it before you got born again, when you get born again, it weren't, it weren't going to change. It's not going to change. If your English was bad before you got born again. Uh, the Tigolo type of English. The area boy, area, area, area boy's type of English. Do you understand what I'm saying? Someone said H C H C H O E C H O H O. That's how you pronounce it. E C H O H O. Hey. How can E C H O be H O? Pronunciation. E-C-H-O. H-O. And he was teaching his class, a class, E-C-H-O. H-O. And the class first said, no, sir, it is E-C-H-O, echo. He said, come here. He gave him a knock. Last year, he said, get out of my class. If you didn't know what E-C-H-O was, before you got born again, you will still not know what E-C-H-O. You need to learn. Isn't it? Yes. The, the born again experience enlightens you and gives you an ability to uh, learn it gives you access to knowledge so now you can you can learn there's a gift of wisdom and knowledge that is imparted to you it's imparted to your spirit christ is the embodiment of all knowledge and wisdom so you learn to depend on christ to make you smart to have access to all knowledge knowledge of math knowledge of physics knowledge of chemistry is found in christ colossians chapter 2 verse 3 for in christ dwelleth for in in him dwell ahead on the treasures of wisdom and knowledge all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Jesus. So you can become smart by depending on Christ who is in you, in your spirit. So that this brain of yours can be enlightened. 
Then in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, we see how God gave, the Bible says that, look at Daniel 1, 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. God can give you skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave them. So God can give you knowledge. Do you see? Yes. Knowledge, access into what you have been struggling with. The academic problems you have been having. The solution is in Christ. Ask him, Jesus, give me knowledge into all learning, knowledge and skill into all learning and wisdom. You are in me. Give me excellence in my mind. You'll be surprised. God will enlighten you. So that is, that is it. If you, are born, if you go born again, it doesn't affect your body, it doesn't affect your soul. You, it's the same. But then there's salvation for all those. There's salvation for your, your body. There's salvation for your soul. When you get born again, okay, you are, you are now okay. You can go to heaven right now. Yes, you can go to heaven right now. But God does not need you in heaven right now because your soul needs to be saved. So there's something called solical salvation. Do you see? In uh, James chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Look at James. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all fruitiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the meekness and grafted word, which is able to save your soul. So there's something called the saving of your soul. Okay, the saving of your soul. The reason why we come to church is so that our souls will be saved. So every time you come to church, your soul is being saved. Maybe you didn't, you didn't think that God wanted you to be healthy. There are people who are born again, but they don't think that God wants them healthy. They think that sickness is one of the things that is part of life, that you must, you must fall sick every now and then. How will you do it? But it's not like that, biblically speaking. The Bible says that Health has been purchased for us. So your soul needs to be saved along the lines of health and healing. Your soul needs to be saved along the lines of faith. Do you see? Uh-huh. So the more you come to the house of God and hear the word of God and give your attention to the word of God, the more your soul is saved. So that's one of the major reasons why you come to church. And you need a shepherd to shepherd you, to teach you, to help you for your soul to be saved over the years. The more your soul is saved, the more you think right. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, your transformation, your world transforming. The transformation of your world is dependent on the renewal of your mind. So if your mind is not renewed, you can be born again, spiritually you are saved, but in your mind, you are not being saved as you're supposed to. So you don't think right. Do you see? And because you don't think right, your, your environment will not be affected. Your environment will not change as it's supposed to. You can be born again and be in a very poor home. But through the salvation of your soul, as you, are, as you allow your soul to be saved, God will prosper. You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked at how your, your, environment, your, environment, your environment will change. Your, the transformation of your environment is dependent on the renewal of your mind. The more your mind re- is renewed, the more changes you see around you. So this particular point is very important. Very, very important. Okay? First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 into verse 7. When you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Verse, verse 7. Yes, it says, to the trial of, That the trial of faith be much more precious than of God that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen, ye love, and whom, though now you see him not, yet believing and rejoicing, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Next verse. Receiving the end of your faith or receiving the completion of your faith 
or the aim of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So there's, an, there's a reason why you're born again. The reason why you're born again is so that your soul will be saved. God wants you to love Jesus Christ here on earth, not there in heaven. If you don't love him here, when you get to heaven, you may not want to even see him. Because he's not part of your thought processes. So what, how your soul is saved here on earth matters more than anything. That's the reason why we are still here. We are still here so that our souls will be saved. How is your soul saved? By being in the house of God, by hearing the word. The more you hear the word, the more your soul is transformed. The more your soul is changed. The more your thinking is changed. And the more your thinking is changed, the more your, your world is changed. You may be a child of God and don't, not think that fighting is, 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 I mean, fighting is not for me. Or offering is not for me. Seed sowing is not for me. I'm not, I don't like any of those things. God can sort himself out. But through the word of God, through the teaching of God's word, you get to know how important fighting is. You get to know how important, um, um, what's it called? Offering, giving offerings, giving seeds and all of those things are. You will know that God has prospered you, but the way to, for, do, for that prosperity to show forth physically is by you giving. Because God has, that's a covenant. As long as the earth remains, the heavens and the earth remain, seed time and harvest will not cease. You can be a child of God and go, you have a farm. And you go and stand there and say, produce, 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 maize, 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 mango, 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 pop, 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 malaglas, shadamanaba, in Jesus' name, amen. Come back three months later and see if there will be mango and maize there. Will there be mango and maize there? What do you need to do? You must plant. You must sow. No matter who you are, this earth's principles will not change and bend for you because you are born again. There the, 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 the are principles that God has laid there. It doesn't, you can't do anything about it. If you want to have fruit, what do you do? Sow. Your mind needs to be renewed. That's the truth. Being in the house of God helps you with that. Okay? Beautiful. So that's salvation, uh, whatever. What's it called? Let's just go to the point so we can do what we're supposed to do for today. Okay, go back to that place. Yes. That's S, shepherding for solical salvation oriented church. Then the church, we are not come to define church. C is what? Children oriented church. We'll talk about that. H is what? House of God everywhere oriented church. U is what? Unlimited faith oriented church. R is what? Resourceful church. If you are in a church and you can do something, we need your brain for things to work. We need your contribution for things to work in the house of God. So a resourceful church is a church that has that has the people in there bringing their ideas for things to work, for things to become nicer in the house of God. Maybe you are, you are whatever, uh, uh, an air hostess. You know how to smile in a plane. You realize that actually they are not smiling much. Come and come and teach us how to smile. So that the church can work. That's a resourceful church. You are a doctor. Bring your, your expertise on the, on the, on the, on, to bear on, in, in the church. You guess, you're a lawyer. Why should we go and look for a lawyer when you are there? Help us draft contracts so that we can sign some documents and not be cheated out of money. Does it make sense? That's a resourceful church. A church that has the people, because some people can be in the house of God. They are not interested in bringing their professionalism to, to, to bear at all. Some people don't want anybody to even know that they are doing something. You're a businessman. You know how to sell. You are an importer and exporter. You're into importation and exportation. We need equipments for various parts of our church. You can import and make the thing cheaper and all of that. Yet we don't know. And we are struggling at Temaport. <laughs> struggling at Temaport. 
to bring in these chairs that are sitting here. Meanwhile, you're a porter. You're what? You're a porter. You're into imports and exports. Hey! So a resourceful church. And then C is a cell-based church. And then the last H is what? A hand-following church. Through hearing, seeing, and catching the anointing and catching the spirit of the house. Hallelujah. So that's the glorious church in, in, in all. And I started with the T. Last Sunday, if you remember. T is what? Go back to T. The available church. The available church. And that has to do with church attendance, being in the house of God. If you are not available, none of these things can happen. None of these things can happen. You can't become, you can't experience holy salvation. You can't be shepherded if you are not available. Don't let anything take you out of the house of God. The house of God is a place for you, designed by God for you, for your development. So I gave you five points. Was it four? I explained four. It's six points. So I want to do point number five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten in the next 20 minutes, and then we are done. Anyway, so the first point under the available church was what? Let me read, let me read Psalm 84 for you. Okay? Give me, the, give me the points once again. The first point was what? The available church is what? So we're talking about understanding the importance of church attendance, isn't it? If you don't understand, you may not want to come. You may say the place is too far. It's too far. When we go, they don't close early. Or when we go, I'm not so happy. I don't know anybody there. They don't, nobody says hello to me. Is that strong? Hallelujah. So I am, I'm sharing concerning understanding the importance of church attendance. And I shared these ones last Sunday. And I just want to continue and finish it up today. Okay? So the church location, understand that the church location is a place chosen, is a place chosen by God. This is where we are, this place. It's chosen by God. Nobody has built here before. This place, since the world began, has been left bare for God's house to come and be planted here. God, God said so many things. There are so many scriptures I mentioned for it. What's Deuteronomy chapter what? Chapter 12, verse 4. Verse 4 to 7. Look at Deuteronomy 12, 4 to 7. It's a place chosen by God. God told them, you can't sacrifice your offerings and your tithes and all of those things in every other place, but the place that I'll choose for you. You shall not do so unto the, unto, unto the Lord your God. Verse 5. It says, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes, to put his name there, even unto his habitation, shall ye seek, and thither shall thou come. Next verse. And thither shall ye bring your burnt offerings, and your sacrifices, and your fights, and heave offerings of your hand, and your vows, and your freewill offerings, and the festings of your heads, and of your flocks. And there shall ye eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all that you put your hand unto, ye and your households, wherein the Lord thy God has blessed thee. Okay? Now, jump down to, there was another one, Verse what? 11. Go to verse 11. It says, Then there shall, there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither or there shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your thighs and your heave, and the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice vows which you vow unto the Lord. Verse 12. Then it says, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, ye and your sons and your daughters and your men servants and your maid servants and the Levite that is within your gate, for as much as he has... He has no part in your inheritance with you. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest. You see, he says, don't offer in every place that you see. But 
in the place which the Lord shall choose in one, in one of thy tribes. So God chooses places. Okay? God does what? He chooses places. So normally when we are looking for a place, a land to buy, I ask God, what have you chosen in this area for your house to be built? And God always leaves us there. We have a very big land that's maybe it's like one and a half times this particular place. Or almost two times. Is it one and a half times the one at Kaswa? One and a half times. About one and a half, half times big. And nobody has anything on it for all the years that it has been available. At a very good, you'll be surprised that this one is here, has been here for all the years. Nobody has built anything here. Why is it like? Just by the, close to the major road. It's just next to the main road, the main Kaswa road. Yes. Because God has chosen that place for a church to be planted there. You know, where Kenneth Hagen built, Reverend Kenneth Hagen of Blessed Memory, built the, um, the Rema Bible School. Okay? 100 years, is it 100? About 50 or 70 years before they built the school. There was a young man who was always praying in that particular place. Yes. And God told him that the ministry will be coming there. He will be bringing a ministry there. That will bless many people in the world. Yes. And I think his daughter or something like that was around when they came to build the church. When they came to build that, it's, a, it's about 150 acre land. Huge land. You know, with a lot of beautiful things on it. You know? So they told Ken Higgin that this land has been chosen by God because this young man was praying and God showed him this and that and that and that. So all oh, it's, it's like that. So it's, it's not... Don't let distance become a problem. The place is too far. God is the one who has chosen it. God is the one who has chosen You travel to school. You travel to work. One day, I went to church. This was our very first church um, location in Kumase, the cabin. And I was living far away. I was living about an hour and a half drive away to come to church. So I drove. I, I Taxi, trot, or whatever, and I got to church to come and preach. When I got there, they did, we were doing worship, everything. When we finished everything, and I came behind the pulpit to preach. When I stood behind the pulpit to preach, I saw an angel standing on my right side. If I didn't see, I'll tell you. I saw it. I saw an angel standing by my right side. Having a pen that have, has feathers. It's like a feather pen. Quail. <laughs> and a scroll in his hand. So I'm like a notepad. And I saw what he was writing. He was writing. He wrote my name. And wrote the distance I had covered to come to church. Yes, he wrote the distance. So about seven kilometers. I had covered about seven kilometers. Seven, about seven kilometers. And then he wrote, my reward. <laughs> so there are rewards for distance. The distance you cover to church. So don't get into, oh, there's this church is just by my house, so let me go. Is that where God has chosen for you to be? Is that where God has chosen for you to be? Do you see? Uh-huh. Yes. Is that where God has chosen for you to be? Go where God wants you to be. Okay. No matter how far the distances. When you go to you go to Lagos, if you go to um, Winners Chapel, there's no Winners Chapel church in Lagos. The Winners Chapel that is in Lagos is actually outside of Lagos. It's in another state, okay, Ogun State, in a city called Otta. That's where Bishop Oedipo is. And for you to move from Lagos, from the airport that from the airport to Bishop Oedipo's place, it's about two and a half hours to three hours drive to church. And every day, people, every Sunday, people move there. 
for church service. Why? They have, they have a certain understanding. This is the place God has chosen for us to be. This is where he has placed his blessings for us to go to. This is where he... That's, that's, what, that's what God does. When Jesus rose from the dead, he rose from the dead in a place called Jerusalem. When he rose from the dead, he told the disciples, he told the angel to tell his disciples to go to a place called Galilee and that he will appear to them there. He gave them another location. I'm not appearing to you in Jerusalem. I'm appearing to you at Galilee. Guess what? Galilee was about, is it 200 kilometers away? About 200 kilometers away from Jerusalem. So they had to travel 200 kilometers like Kumasi, from here to Kumasi. Do you see? That's about four hours drive. And they walked. It's a four-day journey. Three, three to four-day journey. They walked all the way to Galilee to meet Jesus in a particular place he has chosen. I want to meet you here. I'm not meeting you at that place. I'm meeting you here. And they moved to meet him there. If you have understanding, you go where he wants you to be. When he met them in Galilee, he told them, go back to Jerusalem. I'll meet you in Jerusalem. So they went back to Jerusalem. And he met them in Jerusalem again. Yes. So it's a, understand that it's a place chosen by God. Okay? And I've said so many things about it already. Go, let's go to our points once again. Let's finish it up. The church, number two is what? The church is the pillar and ground of truth. The location, I'm talking about the location where we, are, where we are attending a church service, is the pillar and the ground of truth. It's the location of, for eating and, transform, for, and transformations of glory. I said so many things about it last time. Then number three is what? It's the place of many elevations. Coming to church brings you elevation. Whenever they were going to the house of God, the Bible says that they went up into the house of God. What verse did we use? Psalm what? Psalm 1, 2, 2, verse 1 and verse 2, isn't it? From verse 2. Psalm 1, 2, 2. Okay, it's fine. Psalm 1, 2, 2, verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, not I was bitter when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was angry when they said unto me, let us go into the house. It is, the house of God is a place, it says, when they said unto me, someone will come and say to you, let us go to the house of the Lord. Someone will come and invite you. Someone will come and tell you, let's go into the house of God. And he said, I was glad when they told me that I should come to the house of the Lord. Not I was sad. I was not happy. I I was angry when they said I should go to. I mean, you should be in the house of the Lord. You should be in the house of the Lord. Tell me about you should be in the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad. How many of you want to be like David? You want to be like David? This is what David is saying. I was glad. I was elated. I was excited when they told me that we should go to the house of the Lord. Why? Next verse. Jerusalem, it says, Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Next verse. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Verse 4. Where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord unto the testimony of Israel, which is unto the house of God, to give thanks unto the name of, of the Lord. It says, Jerusalem, the house of God, is a place where the tribes, all the tribes of Israel, they go up. Whenever they were describing the house of, of God, they said, going up. When um, um, Jacob was being told. I quoted that scripture, I think it's Genesis 29, 35, verse 1. When Jacob was being told by God to go to Bethel, Bethel means the house of God. He told him, go up to the house of God. Isn't it? Genesis 35, verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel. So the house of God is a place for elevations. You go up. You go up in your finances. You go up in your wisdom. You go up in your health. You go up in your commitment. You go up in your understanding. You go up in every aspect of your life. Whenever they describe going to Egypt, they always describe it as going down to Egypt. 
Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, when God was talking to Abraham, he told him, and there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Going to Egypt is always going down. Isaiah 31, verse 1. Woe unto them that go down to Egypt for help. Egypt is a type of the world. So as you go into the world, or as you enjoy, the, as you are staying in the world, you're actually going down. When you enter the house of God, you are going up. Is that too difficult to understand? So you must understand. Every time you come to the house of God, you're actually going up. Elevations on all spheres of your life. So it's in your own interest not to leave, not to cut yourself from the house of God. You must always be in the house of God. Yes. Next point. It's a place to gather into the name of Jesus. God said, I'll place my name in that place. Do you see? The name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, God the Father responds to the name of Jesus. Jesus said that that day you shall not ask anything of me. Whatever you shall ask, the Father shall do it for you. So the Father responds to the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit also responds to the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is not a name. Holy Spirit means holy air. The Holy Spirit responds to the name of Jesus. John chapter, 15, John chapter 14, verse 26. Look at John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He says, the Father will send him in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. He will send him in my name. In other words, the Holy Spirit responds to my name. When you say in the name of Jesus, who is the one who responds? It's the Holy Spirit who responds. So the Holy Spirit responds to the name of Jesus. The Father responds to the name of Jesus. Do you see? Jesus' name is above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus is the Lord, isn't it? And Jesus said that where two or three are gathered together, that's Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Where two or three, and again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them in my, of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. This is the, this is the last point I made the last time. There I am. It's actually there I am is in the midst of them. The great I am. The Godhead is in the midst of us when we gather. When we come together, Jesus is a place to have encounters with the Godhead. Someone will sit in, the room, in his room and say, God, Jesus appeared to me. He may not appear to you, but in the house of God, you'll be surprised that he will just appear to you. You have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus always showed himself when they gathered. When the two disciples were on their way to Emmaus and were talking about, they were sharing. It was just a small meeting, cell meeting. They were just sharing with themselves. Jesus appeared in their midst and revealed himself to them. After that, they went to, that's Luke chapter 24. After that, they went to the 11. And as they were talking, Jesus showed himself amongst them. So Jesus appears in the midst of us when we gather in his name. Because when we, gather, we actually gather into his name. Into his name. And he says, there I am. I am is also in our midst. So I am is here. The great I am is here. And what can the great I am do? You are able, great and mighty. God. Don't worry. You are able, Jesus. The, the able one is amongst us. Maybe you came with a problem. Jesus is here to take away that problem. Yes. Cancers disappear in the house of God. Yes. Maybe you've never seen a miracle before. You've never experienced a miracle before. It's in the house of God. As you come to the house of God with your expectation, the Bible says the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. With great expectation, the Lord will help you. Okay? Now, let's go to number five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Have you learned anything since I started talking? But there's more to learn. Wow. So, number five is that 
The church, church attend, the reason why you should be in church is that church is a place for the flow of the corporate anointing. There's a corporate anointing. There's a ministry of the Spirit that he, he accomplishes when we gather together. Okay? That ministry is not fulfilled. It's never fulfilled in private. It is only fulfilled when we gather together. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit's first introduction into the world was in a place where they had gathered, where, where people who loved Jesus had gathered. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were where? In one accord in one place. Someone said the disciples drive, drove, I know that the car the disciples drove, they drove Honda Accord. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something. He says, they were all with one accord in one place. That is a church gathering. They were all in church on the day of Pentecost. They were all together in one place. And as they were there, what happened? And suddenly there, there, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them, clothing tongues as, like as of fire, and they sat upon each of them. And they were all full of the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The ministry of the Spirit was introduced in a gathering in church. Couldn't the Holy Spirit have appeared to them one by one in their homes? He could have. But he chose to be in a place where they had all gathered. They needed to gather. Jesus told them, tarry ye. Acts chapter 1, verse 7. And he said unto him, it is not for you to know the things of the, of the, or the, the times and the, or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it shall be witnesses both of, in, of me in Jerusalem. It's actually Luke chapter 24. Go to Luke chapter 24. There's a verse that talks about Jesus telling them to stay. Uh, there's a reference in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 if you have a good Bible. Jesus told them not to move. He told them they should tarry. They should stay in one place. They should be together. Why? The ministry of the Spirit is coming to you. Go to Luke 24, 49. And behold, I send the promise. This is Jesus talking. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Stay in the city of Jerusalem. He's telling them to stay in a particular place. Do you see? Yeah. There's a place chosen by God that you must stay. There's a place chosen by God where you must be. You have to be there. If you want to receive the promise of the Father, it says, stay or tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endured with power from on high. Until you be endued with power from on high. There's an endurement of power from on high when we gather together. There's a ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the custodian of the church. Acts chapter 20 verse 28. The Holy Spirit is what? The custodian of the church. The church belongs to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who is building the church. The Holy Spirit is the one building the church. Acts 20 28. This is Paul talking to um, the shepherds. He, tell, he tells them, take heed... Therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. So it's the Holy Spirit who has made me an overseer sitting here or standing here. I'm not here because I want to be here or because I'm very special. No, it's the Holy Spirit's move and his, his, his doing. Okay? This church is here because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You don't know how many problems we went through to build, to build something like this and to put this here. So many. But the Holy Spirit is the one who has made it work. 
The problems are such that we should have abandoned it. But the Holy Spirit wanted it done. Hallelujah. The church is, the Holy Spirit is the custodian of the church. He says, take heed over the flock, and take it to yourselves, therefore to yourselves, and unto all the flock, over the, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To feed the church of God, which the Lord purchased with his own blood. So the church, you, were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. In this, in this verse, you can, it's like the, he's saying the Holy Spirit's blood is what was used to purchase you. You see, over the, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To feed the church of God. Which, who? He, who is he? It's like he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Which he, the Holy Spirit, has purchased with his own blood. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is in charge of the church. And he knows what to do for the church at each particular point in time. There's always something he has in store. He's the one building the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not, I'm not the one building the church. Jesus is the one building the church. We all belong to him. And he knows what we need at what time. And when we gather, he brings what we need at that particular time for us, at that particular time. Do you understand? So there's the ministry of the Spirit that is accomplished whenever we gather. It's only when we gather, not when we are at home. Hmm. Not when we are at home. When we gather, Ephesians 2, 19, not 1, 2. Now, therefore, it says, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints... And of the household of God. He calls the church the household of God. The church is God's house, is God's family. So we are in God's family. Tell anybody we are in God's family. Tell anybody these things are important. We are in God's family. Okay? Look at the next verse. He says, and we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets as we gather together. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Next verse. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Next verse. In whom ye also, this is you, you and I, are builded together for an habitation of God. How? How are we built together for an habitation of God? An habitation of God through the Spirit. So who is the one building us together? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is responsible for our construction. He's the one putting us together. There are gifts that he, give, he brings at different times to us whenever we gather. When we gather, he has a ministry in the church. He's the one building us up together. Do you see? So when you fall out, you fall, you, when, you, not, when you don't come to church, what you are doing is that you have missed the build-up, what the Holy Spirit brought at that particular time for the church, for the house, for his church to be built up together. That's why you miss church for a long time. It's like you don't feel like going anymore. You become okay with it. And you don't, you feel bad. It's like, why should I even go? Because you, you, you've been missing the information, the gifts, the goodies the Holy Spirit brought at that particular time for that particular service. Those who keep coming are the ones, it's like when they, as time goes on, you, you don't know what happens. You don't know what you heard. You don't know what was said. But it's like you become more joyful. You become more excited about being in the house of God. You become more... It's just by being in the church. Just by being, why? The Holy Spirit works on you. It's an amazing thing. It is for him. The church is for him. He's the custodian of the church, and he's the one building it up. So when we gather, he comes to build. There's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that comes to us together when we are, when we are gathered together. Acts chapter 4. Look at Acts chapter 4. 
verse, verse, we can read from verse 25 or 24 so that it makes, makes more chance. Go, go to verse 24. Go to verse 23 now. Okay, so this is Peter and John who were, you know, they were arrested and told not to do anything, do any miracle in the name of Jesus. When they threatened them, they went to the house of God. They went to church. It says, and being let go, they went to their own company. That's their own church. And reported all that the chief and the, the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard it, and when the church members heard it, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Everybody started praying and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth. They prayed. And when they prayed, go to verse 29. Go to verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatness, and grant, that, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness and with all boldness, they may speak thy word. So they prayed. And when they prayed, look at what happens. It's by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. When they prayed like this, look at what happened. And when they had prayed, not when he, one person had prayed. When they had prayed. When they prayed together. When they came together and prayed. The place was shaking where they were, they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. The whole place shook. They had a spiritual encounter. The Holy Spirit gave them an evidence of the fact that he exists. Where? In church. The whole place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So when we come together, coming together is the easiest way of you being filled with the Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit when you come to church. It's the easiest way. The worship will get you filled. The opening prayer will get you filled. There's something prepared in all these things for God's children. There's a preparation that goes into the service. God aligns everything to suit you and to help you to grow the way he wants you to grow. So the opening prayer will do something for you. Yes. There are many things the opening prayer has done for me. Opening prayer taught me how to pray and what to pray for. Sometimes you don't know what you should pray for. But the one leading the prayer will lift a topic and mention a scripture. And you are like, man, is this also in the Bible? And then it enlightens you. There's a corporate anointing that you come into touch, in, into contact with whilst in the house of God. Look at Psalm 133, verse 1. It's a corporate anointing. And it flows only when we are together. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren, for brethren to dwell together in unity or in oneness. He's talking about us being together, brethren being together in unity or in oneness. He's talking about the church, the house of God. Next verse. It is like the precious ointment. There's a precious ointment. It's called the corporate anointing. <laughs> Jesus said, if two of you shall pray and agree concerning anything, it shall be done for them. Not if you. Matthew, we just read in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Two. The church stands with two. That's a cell. Not you alone. It says, again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on it, as touching anything, the ability for anything at all that we ask to happen, for our power, our strength, and our ability, and divine, divine strength is dependent on our being together. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on it, as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. It only happens when we are together. Sometimes you're at home, you can't pray. You've never prayed for an hour before. Or you've never been able to pray for 30 minutes on your own before. But when the church is organizing a prayer meeting and you decide to attend and you show up, the first time I prayed for an hour, it was not on my own, it was in church. 
as a pastor of this whole church, sometimes I realize I need to pray with others. So I organize a meeting and then just to pray so that I can be heated up. When you take a coal of fire out of a coal pot and you put it outside, what happens to it? It dies. But when you keep it, it dies very quickly. But when you keep it in the coal pot with the others, the fire from the others heats it up. And the fire that you get also heats the other person up. And then you stay together for a longer time. It's called the corporate anointing. It's a corporate anointing. We get results. We can get results easily. One day, one day we were having, we were having a problem. We were trying to build a church, one of our church buildings, the first church building that we we're going to build. And I had to, I had to be taken to the chief of the whole area because I was trying to build something for the Lord. For three months, the thing was not working. We were, we were, we were on news, we were on radio, we were on TV for two weeks. Many problems, many challenges. Then I remembered Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 18 verse 19. Eight two of us shall agree concerning anything. It shall be done for us. So I called some of our pastors. I remember where we were. We were in Asafu Church at that time. In one of the corners, I stood with them. And I told them, this is the problem. This is what is going on. We need to pray. Something needs to happen. Then we started praying. When we prayed, what we said in the prayer was what happened. The following week, we started, we started building. Within a month or two, we had finished building. That church is there by God's grace. Why? There's something I cannot do. I can't do alone. On my own, it won't work. It won't work. But when I have other people, other brethren, when we are together, there's an anointing that I, you experience that cannot be experienced when you're on your own. Your house will not shake when you are there. But when we are in the church, the church can shake. There can be an evidence. There's something. God will answer our prayers with evidences. Why? The Holy Spirit has a ministry of building us up together. Yes. That's why you need to marry Ellie. So that you can get a wife or a husband that you can agree with easily. Don't just marry anybody. Marry someone you can agree with. How can two work together say baby agreed? Don't marry just because of money or just because of handsomeness or beauty. Do you agree with the person? Does the person agree with you? If the person does not agree with you, don't. Don't. Don't even try. Marry someone who can agree with you easily. There's nothing my wife and I have prayed about over the years that has not been answered. Why? Because the two of us form a church. It's a small cell. Yes, it's a small cell. When we pray, it happens. So when we come together like this, there's a flow. Talk about there's a flow. There's a corporate anointing. As they are doing the worship, you will feel something that you have never felt before. I'm like, has anybody felt what I'm talking about before? Like, you mean you've been listening to gospel songs in your house? But you don't remember, you don't get that same effect. There was a young man who was being worried by demons. You know, his father, his grandfather exchanged the family's glory. Okay, and the family's riches for protection. With, with a river god somewhere. Yes, these things are real. They happen, eh? You may think that you are just moving around. If you are born again and you are not serious, you'll be shocked. That what affects your natural family will start affecting you. Yes. What affects the area will start affecting you. It's an amazing thing. You need to be serious with God. When you are serious with God, all these things leave you. But when you are not serious with God, it's like they can attach themselves to you. So this guy was in church, but he was not serious with God. So what was affecting his family was affecting him. Nobody... They are brilliant. I'm talking about brilliant people. You see, brilliant. The whole family is brilliant. You know the one I'm talking about. Yes. They are brilliant. 
but none of them can become anything in life. Yes. Brilliant people. Someone who had eight A's in school is a carpenter. Yes. Because they have exchanged the prosperity of the family for protection. So you can't prosper. That gentleman said, the only time I don't hear the voices, he was born ago, but he was still hearing voices. The only time I don't hear the voices is when I come to church and I'm worshiping. As the worship is going on, the voices leave me. I start gaining consciousness again to be in school and to, be, to do what I'm supposed to do. My wife knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Brilliant boy. When he's in class, voices will be telling him, get out of class. Yes. Born again. As he's in class, voices will tell him, get out of class. So he will leave class and go and roam. Roam in town, roam in town, roam in town until the class is over. Then he will come. Voices talking to him. The only time the voices will leave him is when he's in church. Yes. Because of the corporate anointing. There's an anointing, there's a power that is generated that cannot be generated when you're alone. And it flows from the head down to the least person. Psalm 133. Go back to that place. So this is important, okay? Behold how pleasant, how good and, ple- and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head. The precious ointment. Who is the head of the, the church? The head of the church is Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter, chapter um, um, 11, verse 3. Look at First Corinthians 11. Behold, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Since the head of every man is Christ, Jesus is the head of the church, and he's the head of the church. Ephesians chapter, chapter 1, verse 20. Look at verse 2, which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above of principality and power. Next verse, next verse quickly. Next verse, verse 22. And has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head. Jesus is the head over all things to the church. Which is his body. Next verse. The church is his body. The fullness of him that filleth all in and all. So Jesus is the head of the church. He says when we are together, there's a precious, precious ointment that flows from the head. Who is the head? Jesus is the head of the church. So there's an ointment, there's an oil that flows from the, from the, from the head. You see, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard. Aaron was the, was the one who was put as the head of the church at that time. He was a high priest of the tabernacle that Moses pitched. Are you seeing it? Yes, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon up through that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, even that went down to the skirt of his garments. So it goes. What flows from Christ can flow all the way to even his skirts. Next verse. As a dew, everybody gets to experience the corporate anointing that is upon Christ. It can flow. It flows to all of us. All of us. And all of us can be elevated together. Together. By the power of the Holy Spirit. As we gather together like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell me, are you around? Are you, around? Are you alive? Are you alive? Yes. As a dew of Hermon. There's a lot to say about that, but that descended from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. He says, when we gather together like that, the Lord commands his blessing. There is the blessing, the commanded blessing. Yes. Anyway. So, don't take yourself out. Tell me, but don't take yourself out of the commanded blessings, of the corporate anointing. 
So go to the next point. Let's look at the next point. The next point is that it is the place to go from strength to strength. Church is the place designed by God for us to go from strength to strength. Is a place to go from strength to strength. Have you made that point? Now, at that point, you can, you can write this. You avoid going down. You avoid going down, being left behind, and taken out when you come to church. You avoid going down, being left behind, and taken out when you come to church. Psalm 84, verse 7. Hmm. Psalm 84, verse 7. You avoid going down, being left out. No, it's still, there. It's still point number six. It's not another point. So point number six is, is the place to go from, go from strength, not grow. Go from strength to strength. Okay? You avoid going down, being left behind, and taken out when you come to church. Psalm 84, verse 7. Psalm 84 is a psalm concerning church, church service. Let me read from verse 1 so you can, you can understand. From, from verse 1. Go to verse 1. I'll end in verse 7, okay? How amiable are the tabernacle, either tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. How nice. Go, go back. King James, please. Uh, amplified. How lovely are your tabernacles. Tabernacles is actually church. How lovely. He says that your, your church is lovely. I love it. How lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Verse 2. Amplified. My soul yearns, yes, even pines and is homesick for the cause of the Lord. My soul, my soul yearns. This is David. My soul yearns, yes, even pines. It's panting more, yearning more, deeper and deeper. And it's even homesick for the cause of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out and sing for joy to the living God. Next verse. Yes, the sparrow has found the house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King, my God, and my God. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who dwell in your house and your presence. The ones who dwell in your house, they are fortunate, they are happy, they are to be envied, who dwell in your house and and in your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. Selah, pause and calmly think of that. He wants you to calmly think of this particular thing. Those who dwell in the house of God. He says that they are fortunate. They are blessed. Verse 5. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways of Zion. Highways to Zion. He says in his heart, there are highways to church. His heart is positioned towards Zion. Positioned towards being in the house of God. Next verse. Verse 5. Verse 6. Passing through the valley of weeping, Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also fills the pools with blessings. Those who are in the house of God, says, when they come to a place of mourning, they fill it with joy, with springs of joy, because of the house of God. Next, verse 7. Then it says, they go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. This is church attendance. All those who appear before God in Zion, all those who come to the house of God, Zion is the city of the living God. Zion is the house of God. It says, all those who appear, you must appear. Tell me about you must appear. Before God. In his house. 
they go from strength to strength, increasing to vic- in victorious power. So you increase in victorious power. Victorious, you increase in victory as you appear in the house of God. They go from strength to strength, increasing in victorious power. Each of them appears before God in Zion. As you appear before God in Zion, you are going from strength to strength. Strength to strength. Strength to strength. Strength to strength. More victory for you. More victory in your relationship. More victory with your children. More victory with your finances. More victory with your health. More victory on every sphere of your life. More victory with your academics. So it's not something to abandon for academics. It's not something to abandon for your job. Because that is how you are going to go from victory one victory to another. Are you seeing it? Go to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25. Hebrews 10 25. He says, not forsaking. We shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We shouldn't forsake. Don't forsake it. Don't forsake the assembling together of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Some people is their manner. It's their habit of not coming to church. That's what they have decided to, be, to do. That I will not come to church. I will, not be, I will not come. I know I'm supposed to be there on a Sunday morning, but I'm not coming. They are not going to close early. Paul, Paul went to church. As he was talking, he spoke. The, the service started at 9 a.m. He started preaching at 10.30. By 12.30, he was still preaching. By 2.30, he was still preaching. By 4.30, he was still preaching. By 6.30, he was still preaching. By 8.30 p.m., he was still preaching. By 12 a.m., he was still preaching. He preached throughout the day, throughout the night, into the morning, and stopped. It was so serious that someone was sitting. He was so sleepy. He decided to sit. He was so sleepy. He stood for some time. He decided to sit at the, at the window for some time. It was a, it was a story building on the, on, the, on the third floor. As he was sitting, looking at Paul, he was sleeping, 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 sleeping. Then he fell from the third floor and broke his neck and died. And Paul went downstairs, prayed for him, brought him back to life, and climbed up with him again and continued the service. Continued preaching. Wow. Wow. I'll never say that, oh, they are taking too long. Ah, What are you going to do in the house? Ask your neighbor, what are you going to do in the house? Ask the other neighbor, what are you going to do in the house? Ask the one behind you, what are you going to do in the house? David said, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Eh? David said what? Look at Psalm 84, what we're reading. Look at verse 10 to verse 11. Look at this. It says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Next, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. A day in your house. I, I want to be in your house. I want to dwell in your house. Yes. Go back to verse 10. For a day in thy cause is better than a thousand. So he was into spending a day in the house of the Lord. A whole day in the house of the Lord. Oh, sorry, I'll pursue, pursue it to say David. You want to be like David. David wants to be in the house of the Lord the whole day. Amplified. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. 
I'd rather be a doorkeeper and stand at the threshold in the house of my God than to dwell at ease in the tents of wickedness. I want to be in the house of God. Seriously. Sometimes the lateness can save you. Eh? Yes. It is, for, it is for your own good. We shouldn't be in a hurry to stop because you don't feel comfortable. Am I your pastor? Can I talk to you? It's important though. Psalm 23. The last verse of Psalm 23. David said, And I'll dwell in, thy house, in the house of my God forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'll dwell there forever. I'll be there forever. I don't mind being there forever. I'm not in church because I'm a pastor. There are many pastors who don't stay in church for long. No. It's because of my love for the Lord. Have you ever visited someone you love before? I remember when I fell in love with my wife, first of all. You like such stories? When I go to my, my when I go and visit her, you know, she was at Lane, um, Lane Hostel, Kofanoche, and I would go. When I go, we'll chat, have a nice time. But when I'm leaving, she will escort me to a certain junction. Then I'll tell her, let me escort you back. I'll escort her back. And then before I go back, like, let me escort you. I don't want to leave. Or oh, you don't remember? You don't remember? You have forgotten? Yes. You escort me and I'll escort her back. Yes. I want to dwell. I want to dwell. I could leave a place at 12 a.m. Yes. You don't remember? She doesn't remember. I, I, was, I was the one pursuing more, so I... I just want to dwell. I was on a mission. I had a goal in my mind. If you are in love, you want to dwell. Ask your neighbor, have you fallen in love before? What do your neighbor say? You have fallen in love before. What happened when you fell in love? Did you like to be in the presence of your, your beloved? Please, the 12 a.m. it was after I had finished school, though, not during when I was in school. Hey, hey, hey. Caution after school, after university. Don't, don't, don't be using your study time for fooling around. Hey. You'll be there. She was doing a house job at that time. Yeah. But you want to dwell, isn't it? You want to dwell. Where are you going to? What are you in a hurry to? When you're close now, Papa, you want to go. You've not shared the grace. You want to go. Why? Why, why are you going? You are going to sleep. You are going to eat food and sleep. I mean, no, why are you going to? You must linger. The one who is in love lingers. When you are in love, you linger. Or you've never seen her before. You have not seen the, the lady. You want to see her. The lady's father has come. You have done that. You know, when we were younger, we, there, were, there used to be tricks. You, you blow. <laughs> that, then the lady knows that you are around. You take a stone and throw it at the window. Or you clap in a certain way. It's a sign. There were no text messages. We didn't know text messaging. So. 
if you are in love, you dwell, you linger. You linger around. You linger. You are comfortable. It's not, it's not just like, I know in a hurry. Where are you going to? Ask your neighbor, where are you going to? Honestly, where are you going to? Can't you tell it's demons that are worrying you? It's demons. Yes, it's demons that are telling you, go. What I want, don't come. What, don't, what, don't. It's demons. Someone said, someone said, yes, I was being told about a certain young man, you know, who will say that the Holy Spirit says you shouldn't go to church. That is, that is not the Holy Spirit. How can that be the Holy Spirit? It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? How can that be the Holy Spirit? The church belongs to the Holy Spirit. How can they tell you don't go to church? What spirit is that? It's a demon. You are responding to a, a demon, actually. Yes. It's a familiar spirit. Do you see? Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see that they are approaching. He says we should, be, we should gather more as Jesus, eh, Jesus is coming, draws near. We should, we should gather more. Do you see? Now, the word not forsaking, okay, is from a certain Greek word. And sometimes it's good you look at the Greek words. Okay? Can I look at it for you? Egg kata lepo or egg katalepontus. A E J K A T A E J K A T A L E I P O E J T K A E J K A T A L E I P O E J K A T A L E I P O Egg Catalepo. Sometimes stretched to ek catalepontis. And it means to leave behind, to be left behind. Now, my first thing it means is to be left behind. Second thing it means is to go down, is to be down. And then the third thing is to be out, out, to be pushed out. Left behind, go down, pushed out. How is it? So he's telling you what happens when you miss the house of God. When you forsake the gathering together of the saints, you are left behind. As time goes on, you see that it's like your progress is not showing as it's supposed to. True child of God, your prosperity is not out there. As you gather, remember, you're elevated. It's a place to go from strength to strength. Do you see? Mm. You go from strength in your emotions. He says, you are left behind. Left behind in life. Left behind in wisdom. Left behind in revelation. Left behind in the goodness of God. Left behind in life. Why? Because you've not been, you've, you've been missing it. You're missing the gathering together of the saints. He says, you go down. Go down in what? A lot of Christians are depressed. Many Christians are depressed. You feel alone. You feel lonely. You feel lost. Why? 
Because you've been missing the house of God. You feel depressed. You feel like nobody likes you. You feel like you are not part of what's going on. Why? If, if you are forsaking the gathering together of the saints, someone will smile to you when you come to the house of God. Someone will ask you, oh, how, Charlie, how, how far? What, what's happening with you? Someone will encourage you when you come to the house of God. Yes. He says, exhorting one another. So someone will exhort you. Go back to that place. Amplified. Hebrews 10, 25. Amplified version. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as the habit of some people, but admonishing. Someone will admonish you. Someone will help you. Someone will say something. Someone will give you a hug. Maybe the whole week, if not, somebody has hugged you. And asked you, how are you doing? Nobody has really gotten interested in your life. Listen, life is... Civilization teaches us to be individualistic and not social. Only relate on phone. You can have five people seated in a room and everybody's head is like this. Every, have you seen it before? Yeah. Everyone's head is like this. Relating with impersonal things. Instead of relating with people. This is the only place where you get to, you get to relate. There are people around. You can find out how this person is doing. Someone is interested in you. Do you see? Who is really in there? People who are not really, every, almost everybody who comes around is interested in getting something out of you. But the, the people in the house of God, they are not interested in getting anything out of you. Your shepherd is not interested in your money. Or in your car, or in your house, or whatever. He is losing so much to bring you to the house of God. Yes. He is paying for your transportation to come. Yes. Sometimes you have shepherds paying for your transportation, free of charge. Where will you go to that someone will pay for your transportation free of charge? Like you sit in the car, someone is like, oh, she's very nice. Can you give her? Can I'm paying for her. It's always for something. She's paying for you. He's paying for you. When you, he's wanting, he's looking for your number. Charlie, can I get your number so I text you and see? It's only in church that someone will pay for your transportation and not ask for your number. Yes. If he asks for your number, he wants to check up on you and find out how you're doing. That's all. To bear your burden with you, to help you. It's, it's, it's only a, you see. We, we lift each other, admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another. You are encouraged. The depression is real. Though. It's real. There are some places in America, you cannot talk to anybody. You can't, you can't talk to people. You can be in the area, nobody knows you. When you die, they'll get to know you. Someone died in a place in America. And for 10 years, the person was in the room. Dead in the room, and nobody knew for 10 years they broke her door after 10 years because one day someone something happened and someone was looking for her and they realized ah, they've not seen her in a very long time where has she gone to they noticed after some time that her, there was a very bad smell coming from her room but nobody was concerned nobody was concerned nobody was at all for 10 years later 10 years later no truth you can check you can check it online i've showed some some shepherd i was having a meeting i showed it to them it's online you can check it Someone close to us died in UK. Eh? Nobody saw, they couldn't see his body. Was it for 10 days or something like that? Two weeks. For two weeks. Someone close to us. Two weeks, nobody went to knock on his door to find out. He was dead in the room for two weeks. They brought him down here to come and bury him here. Yes. After someone called, 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 and couldn't, so they decided to go and check. Someone from somewhere came. Nobody on the flat, in the flat, went to check. Left behind, left out of life. Nobody says, nobody smiles to you, nobody does anything to you. The house of God is very important. It's designed by God to bring you up 
for you to go from one level of victory. You hear something that will do something for you. You, 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 you experience the power of God. You experience the presence of God. You experience the, good, the goodness of God in a very special way that will help you. So I pray that what God is telling you would seep down, deep down into your heart. And you know why you should be in the house of God. You must be available. The glorious church is a church that is available. That is available. Available for training. Available for what God wants them to do. Available for what God has designed to happen in their lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Lift up your hand. Just thank God for what they shared with you. Thank you, Father. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.